Verse 8, But ye have, ye have departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I will also make you contemptible and abase among all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have in partial have been partial in the law. Guys, that's getting ready to happen once again. That there are those that have been built big ministries off a of compromise. And I'm prophesying right now that there's an exodus coming. That the remnant's going to wake up and when they do, no matter what the demographics say, their houses are going to become empty and they're going to become abandoned because there is coming a time that the remnant says, give me truth, give me the ways of God. Your job is to help me crucify my flesh and learn how to walk in the kingdom of God and understanding the kingdom dynamic that you have called me to. And if you won't teach me, I will go somewhere else. In fact, a lot of the remnant have done that. There are more remnant out of uh, the, the current Christian system that don't go to church anywhere. There are more of them out of church than there is anybody in church. That if the remnant today across America would all decide to go to church, there's not enough, there are not enough church buildings in America to hold them all. And that's just the beginning. The remnant want truth. Guys, the Levites began teaching the people what they wanted to hear, not what they needed to hear. And I, one of the, one of the craziest things, and this shows you how crazy things have gotten in the church. Years ago, I made the statement, God is not so much interested in prospering you financially as he is getting your heart right. And he will hold back material things for the sake of your soul. Okay? I had a friend teaching those lessons in a medium security prison. And the inmates that were there had a problem with that statement. They got mad at that statement. May I say that there are a lot of people right now that are in prisons that you can't see that would be mad at that statement. Because one of the things that Satan learned with Egypt. If it's a prison that they can see, if it's a prison they can smell, if it's a prison that creates lashes across their back, they'll begin crying out for deliverance. So you create a prison that they cannot see, but keeps them so off. It placates their carnality, and they become satisfied. We live in a prison planet that's preparing for the return of Nimrod. While they're preparing for the return of the son of perdition, I'm, re I'm preparing for the return of Messiah ben David who's going to take him down. Greetings and welcome back to the broadcast. Today is Thursday. 
March 20th, 2017. The website is scriptureandprophecy.com, and that's also where you can go to support uh, this mission of truth. And we're trying to raise our uh, Patreon subscribers, so patreon.com slash truthfed if you want to support this on a monthly basis, anywhere from a dollar uh, to on up. And I appreciate those of you who do. Uh, last week, I spoke a little bit about being the church and becoming what's missing in the church. And I want to be clear uh, that what I'm not saying is just simply attend any old church and just be a good Christian within the church. When I say be the church, I mean just that. Be the church. Be what God has called you to be. And for some, that might mean starting a church in your house with three or four people, five or six people. Uh, for some, that might mean being a light in your local church. You have to discover that for yourself. Uh, but what I want to talk about today is the last day's remnant in the wilderness. Now, I want to preface this with saying I'm just scratching the surface with this study. And uh, there'll be many more parts to come as the study shakes out. And if God willing, I may be able to compile all this at some point along with uh, the great apostasy information that I've been covering and putting together that I've been talking about for several weeks now. And hopefully put something in print and book form. Uh, Elohim willing, pray for me. Uh, not something that I'm very uh, good at doing or making time for. Now, I believe that God always has a remnant. You know, a small group of faithful servants in the midst of Babylon. You know, just as Babylon has always existed and always exists and has their own prophets of Baal, the church of Baal, which many refer to as Christianity today, God also always has his own people, his own remnant uh, or elect. And, you know, here's the thing about the remnant. The remnant is not within the organized church. It's not the church as we identify it today. And, and that's not to say that those of the remnant don't attend church. It's to say that, as a general rule, the church is not the remnant. And not where the remnant can be found today. Today... The remnant has rejected organized church. And the remnant is out in the wilderness. And I think it's important to understand this. Uh, those of you who are remnant, who have a heart to walk in obedience and repentance, careful not to trample the shed blood of Christ, you are a small minority in this country and in around the world. And right now, I believe that we are in the wilderness. While, and meanwhile, those who think themselves Christians yet chase after the world and the things of Babylon are deceived and therefore currently lost at the very least, you know, dangerously backslidden at the very least. And here's the thing about being a remnant in the wilderness that I want to point out, because I know that many of you are, are feeling this and dealing with this. Number one, the wilderness is very lonely. 
It is. It just is. If you're in the wilderness, it's likely that you feel alone. You may even think to yourself, I'm the only one I know. I'm the only one taking the prophecy seriously, striving to walk in God's ways, striving to be obedient to His laws. I'm the only one actually watching for the soon return of the Savior Christ, Mashiach, and paying attention to the signs of the times while everyone else is just focusing on themselves, their own lives, and they pervert the grace of God. They're like a hog rooting in the mud. They waller with filth and with sin and claim grace on their lives, not knowing that they're actually serving Baal, not God. They're actually following Baal, not Christ. And this makes you feel alone. Because the remnant is small and few and the wilderness is lonely. You know, in the book of 1 Kings, we have an example of this in Elijah. You know, Elijah was alone, and he believed that he was the only one left. There's no one else. They've all turned the ball into his prophets. And I want to read that to you. So if you go to 1 Kings, it's chapter 19. It's verses 9 through 18. And it came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, a word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mountain on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it in pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out, and he stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him, and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazal to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abilim, uh, Abimli Loa, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jahu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jahu shall Elisha slay. And here's the verse I want you to focus on. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which hath not kissed him. 
You see, from Elijah's perspective, he was the only one. But God knew otherwise. God had kept a remnant of people for himself, 7,000 in Israel, who had not bowed to Baal. Now you say, well, that's a very small number. And it is. And guess what? The path is narrow, and few find it. Broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many there are that are on it. The second thing about the wilderness that we need to understand is that it's hard and dry and you're hungry and you're thirsty and the temptations seem to come and attack you while you're weak, try to draw you away from God because you're tired. Listen, friends, be careful of when you're tired, when you're hungry and thirsty. That's when the devil comes offering you a drink to please your flesh. Remember how often Jesus, especially in the book of Revelation, commands us to persevere. He's not telling you that because things are going to be easy. He's telling you that because times will come when you must persevere in the faith. Think of Jesus before, you know, before the Son of God, the creator of all the things, began his ministry. Before he did any of that, he fasted and spent 40 days in the wilderness where he was tried, tested, and tempted by Satan. Likewise, the Hebrews, when they were brought out of Egypt, were set f- when they were set free from the bondage of slavery in Egypt, and then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years while God prepared them and taught him his ways, taught them to trust him. And when they were finally ready, they were able to take possession of the promised land. I believe the remnant is being made ready right now. And that God is teaching us, trying us with fire, testing us, allowing us to be sifted a little bit and tempted, and and all this to strengthen us to do what he's called us to do in these last days. And just like Elijah had to face thousands of wicked prophets of Baal, of Baal, just like Jesus had to overcome Satan by using the sword of God's spoken word, and just like the Israelites had to walk and journey through the wilderness and learn all of God's ways, and then they had to come out and face the giants in the land, the Nephilim. We too are going to have to face these things in the last days, both figuratively and I believe even literally. But remember, when, when, we, when we look at the Israelites the, uh, coming out of Egypt as an example, when they were in the wilderness, that's when God was teaching them how to walk in his ways. He was giving them the law, giving them his commands, and also providing for them while they were in the wilderness. And really, it was up to them. You know, they They didn't have to be in the wilderness as long as they were. It's just that they... You know, they didn't, they, they hadn't learned to trust God yet. You know, they sent out spies to go spy out the land that was promised to them by God. And of course, they come back with a bad report saying there's giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. We can't do this. 
And therefore, that whole generation died out before anybody got to go in. Now, we got some things we're going to have to face, and I think that God is preparing the remnant in the wilderness. And friends, I'm sorry to say this, but the world isn't growing more tolerant towards true Christianity. If anything, hatred is what's growing. Hatred for those who obey the commandments of God, that's taking place within the church, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Hatred for these things is growing at alarming rates. I just saw an article, and I'll just read you the headline real quick. Let me pull this up before I continue on with with the topic here. Christians are the most persecuted group on earth is the title of one article. Another article says, Major study finds that 90,000 Christians were martyred, 600 million were prevented from worshiping Christ just in the year 2016, and the numbers are are going up. Do you see what's taking place, folks? And some of these people have paid a terrible price. In spite of the complaints of Muslims and others, the fact is that Christians are the most persecuted group worldwide. Millions of people from ancient times through today have been and are persecuted, tortured, and even killed each year because they refuse to deny Christ before others. And according to a recent study, in 2016 there were 90,000 Christians who were martyred for their faith and 600 million who were obstructed from practicing their faith. That's taking place in our world right now. Another article says, Hated by all men, Christians now being harassed in 128 nations. The number of countries in which Christians suffer from government restrictions and social hostilities grew from 108 to 128 in one year, according to a new study by the Pew Research Center. The study, which covered 2015, the most recent year for which the statistics are available, also found harassment of religious believers of all kinds rose for the first time in three years. And then if quote, and of course he quotes Matthew 10:22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. You have to endure, folks. You have to persevere. That's the part they don't want to talk to you about. That's the part they don't want to tell you. We are in a massive spiritual and natural war, and most of the persecution is going to come down, and I'm just telling you this in advance, from the Babylonian, Baal-serving religious system who cover themselves with sheep's clothing, pretending to be Christian. Believe me, friends, It'll be the fake Christians in these very last days. It'll be the fake Christian church doing this persecution in many places in the world. A new religious system is coming, and just like the prophecies say, it'll be an antichrist system that re- that unites, you know, world religion and seeks to destroy the remnant of God. However, God is preparing us and will be our refuge. Let's look at Revelation chapter 12 as an example. And I don't want you to focus so much on the sign in heaven that everyone's getting all worked up about right now. 
we're going to focus in on something else. So we're going to start with verse 9 here. And it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, and he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. By the way, if you go check out uh, my study that I did on this just a few weeks ago in Revelation chapter 12, I talk about this symbolism and what that flood means and all of that. So just uh, something, a little note for you. Verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and he went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. First, I want you to notice that God's hand of protection is on the remnant, right? He provides two wings of a great eagle, takes her off into the wilderness, takes care of her, nourishes her. Even when the serpent sends out the flood, uh, the earth swallows it up. And then secondly, I want you to notice the qualifier here. The description of the remnant is, it's, or the, and the people that, that, that the dragon is after, because it says he went to make war with the remnant of her seed. The qualifier here, the description of who the remnant is, simply says this. It's those who both keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Keep the commandments. Folks, this, this, is, what's, this is just what kills me. is because we've, we've been taught forever. Not forever, but for a couple of generations in the church to, to not even pay attention to God's commandments. Just say your sinner's prayer. Believe on Jesus. And, but how often does the scriptures tell us that we are to keep... Right here, I mean, I don't know how else you, how you, how you try to get away from this. I mean, it says that the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Not only that, we can go back a couple chapters. Revelation 14, just go to verse 12, says the exact same thing. Listen to these words. Verse 12 says this, 
Here is the patience of the saints. Okay, it's getting ready to describe to us who the saints are. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Even John, in his letter, in his epistle. If you go to John, 1 John chapter 5, let's just read the first nine verses. Or, or actually, I'm sorry, we, we only need first three verses. 1 John chapter 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begot loveth him, also that is begotten of him. Verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we have loved God and keep his commandments. Verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. John's saying, we know that we love God. We show this because we keep his commandments. And, and guess why? His commandments, they're not grievous to us. We don't look at them like they're bondage. That's not what Paul's talking about. But that's not what's taught in the church, is it? You know, right now I feel like the remnant is crying in the wilderness. And uh, it's we're saying something similar to John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist was proclaiming in in Matthew chapter 3 that the, you know, you know, I, well I feel like the remnant is is saying something similar to what John the Baptist was saying in Matthew chapter 3. You know, the Bible is alive and it's relevant, and I believe these words are for us today, the very last generation, just as they were for the generation present at the time of the first coming of Jesus, the Mashiach. You know, in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, it says this, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, there's the wilderness again, of Judea, and saying, Repent, Ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is, I mean, is this not what we're trying to, to tell people? That these are the last days, that the return of Christ is nigh. John the Baptist was in the wilderness, and he was saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is that was spoken by the prophet Esus, talking about Elijah, saying that the voice of the one crying in the wilderness... Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make its path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and leathern girdle about his lines, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. And then he went out to him, then went out to him Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region around about Jordan, and they were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. When they saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruit, meat for repentance. And think not to say within yourself, We have Abraham to our father, for I say to you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into 
the fire. Let's get serious, friends, about what's going on and about what time it is. Let us get serious about what it really looks like to follow Jesus and to do as he did. Remember, we're to be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving ourselves. I wonder, and again, I'm just thinking out loud. I wonder if the separation is happening right now, you know. If there's a separation taking place, is, is the final remnant being called? And I don't know, you know, I don't have all the answers. I do, however, believe that time is short. The world is changing at a very rapid pace. And these last days are quickly coming upon us, and I personally want to be in the right relationship with my Father and with my Savior, Jesus Christ. Come out of Babylon. Come out of Babylon. Or prepare to face her plagues and her judgments. Until next time, Elohim bless you in the name of Jesus. We're in a season of acceleration. The negative is going to intensify. It's a very serious hour of human history. It's never going to go back to how it was in the 1990s. There's a new norm that's emerging because there's one generation in human history and natural history that is very unique from every other generation. One time frame. I've been a pastor 40 years. There is a significant biblical illiteracy about what the Bible says about that hour of history. The body of Christ is not prepared at all with understanding of where things are going. Most believers I know that love Jesus, they go, I'm not really into that. I go, Look again at what the Bible says. Look another time and reconsider. Because to move into that time frame with no understanding will cause great confusion and fear. I'll say again, the Bible talks about that generation more than any time frame in history by far. Of all the generations from the Garden of Eden with Adam to all the generations in the future, one generation is talked about more than all. Why? The Lord says, do you know how important it is? That hour, that generation of time, do you grasp how glorious but how deceptive, how powerful but how dangerous? Do you understand the extremes of what's happening? And again, no generation has ever walked that way. There is no roadmap besides the Bible. There's no past generation that's telling that generation how to navigate all the dynamics. We got the Word of God. That's not a coincidence that all the signs of the times, 
that Jesus mentioned, almost every one of them, almost every one of them, they are increasing on a global level, making head time, head line news for the first time in history almost every one of the signs jesus said are happening on a global level right now and increasing almost everyone all of these things are lighting up the part of the body of christ is paying attention